Second half rebound. We've been saying it all year. We've been hearing it all year. Just hang in to the second half rebound. But what happens when you realize there is no second half rebound? Then what happens? Well, after we get through today's video, I have a feeling we're all going to be seeing the same color of yellow because yellow just happens to be the name of one of the largest trucking firms in the United States, or it was one of the largest trucking firms in the United States, and now it is no more because Yellow's story, especially over the last couple of years, follows the same as the entire U.S. economy. CEO Darren Hawkins said in June of 2021, it's a great time to be in trucking, which today sounds like some of the most famous last words you'll ever hear. But who could blame him for saying that in June of 2021? Because that's what everybody said, not just about trucking, but the whole darn global system. The goods economy in particular, it was absolutely booming, or at least it seemed to be. That's really the problem here. We all fell for, or many people fell for, the idea that consumer price increases were the same as a red-hot economy. Now, in the goods system, there was a boomlet in business, but did that represent the sort of permanent plateau of prosperity that was being sold to the general public? Now, we know companies, not just yellow, but companies all over the landscape bought the narrative because they wanted to buy the narrative, and it was a huge mistake, and now we have to pay for it. And we have to pay for it as more and more of these businesses wait for a second half rebound that isn't showing up. And the reason it isn't showing up in part is because of that false narrative. So let's follow Yellow's history over the last couple of years. So in June of 2021, CEO says it's a great time to be in trucking. And then the following year in February of 2022, he's putting Yellow's money where his mouth was the year before. What he said was in February 22, when you think about the year and the progress throughout the year, talking about 2021, then we have Q4 with an operating ratio with a 95 handle on it. For yellow, it is huge strides in the right direction. Those kinds of things are very encouraging, not only to our investors, but also for our truck drivers that work here. And so in February 2022, which is a month before everything would change, again, Still in the inventory cycle, the overstocking, the supply shock, the supply logistics problems. So Yellow, which has historically been a struggling company, wasn't doing all that well before the pandemic, thought this is our way out of it. Not only is this our way out of it, we're going to prosper in a way that we haven't in many, many years. In order to take advantage of it, they needed to hire more and more work, more truckers in particular, because as we heard throughout the supply shock period, shortage, not just labor shortage, but especially of truck drivers. And as Hawkins pointed out in February 2022, our current driving academies are going very well. We've hit our targets for 21. We've set a thousand drivers as the target for 2022 from the driving academies. And that doesn't include all the other things that we do to bring drivers. I think the LTL pie is getting bigger all the time and the industry is very healthy. Who could blame him for thinking that? Because at the time, he was hardly alone. And that was what we heard all over the economic landscape. Here we are a year and a little bit longer later, and we can see, most of us can see, the landscape has changed drastically. 
But first, I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. Eurodollar University currently offering tremendous sales on all our research subscriptions, as well as some offers for Eurodollar University memberships. You can check that out at the Eurodollar University web website. The information about our memberships and research subscriptions is there as well. Memberships are exclusive content, background information on what the Eurodollar system is, research subscriptions, the daily briefing, that's about what's going on in our world today, and the deep dive analysis examines deep dive into why that might be the case. So you have the what, the why, and the background in our research subscriptions and our memberships, massive anniversary deals at our website, Eurodollar. University. So the company Yellow, early part of last year, thought this is great. We've we've been a we've been on the border between struggling and 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 really getting worse for several years, and then along comes the pandemic. Yeah, that was bad, but on the other side of it, this booming economy, this booming goods economy in 2021, the future looks bright. We can't hire enough truckers. So we're gonna start really ramping up our academies and bringing people through the Yellow Truck Driving School in order to just fill the needs that we have today, let alone what we're gonna need maybe the rest of 2022 into 2023 and beyond. By the end of 2022, however, you know the story had already changed. And for Yellow, it had changed dramatically. And I mean dramatically. Their demand or the LTL tonnage per workday in the fourth quarter was down 25.1%, with shipments dropping 23%. And commenting in early 2023, earlier this year, about these dramatically <laughs> dramatic results, Mr. Hawkins said that this, about the sequential tonnage declines, especially in November and December. Those two months keep coming back up in our review of the recession cycle. He said the dramatic declines were certainly more pronounced than what we would have expected. But, but, he said he was also optimistic on that quarterly conference call in February 2023. Hawkins said, the moat around these national LT, LTL carriers, I still see it as strong. And so the challenge for Yellow and Yellow's management was simply waiting out the short run weakness, waiting out this, not recession, but this downturn. And in the second half of 2020 thing, 2023, things would turn around and we, the yellow could turn its business around. It could it put itself back on solid financial footing again, move forward with its restructuring projects and get the company into the, into the bright future that they were envisioning throughout the supply shock period of 2021 and 2022. Just needed to hang in there for that second half rebound. As you've probably heard recently, yellow didn't quite make it. Over the weekend, it looks like it's going to be full bankruptcy, shutting down operations. They had trouble with their workforce, and in particular, their laborized union force. Um, the Teamsters union threatened to strike over a bunch of stuff we don't necessarily need to get into here, which caused about 80% of Yellow's customers to find other operators because they couldn't hang around and, and just wait to see if the strike developed, which was essentially the last nail in the coffin. So this weekend, yellow is no more. They, they cannot hang around for a second half rebound because more and more we see that there isn't one. 
And it's not just the goods economy, and it's not just the United States. Again, this is globally synchronized deflationary recession. Why is there deflation? Yellow is a good prime example because everybody thought the economy was doing one thing during the supply shock. And now, as it turns out, it's doing what supply shocks always do. That we're following the consistent pattern here, which is not just de disinflation on the downside, it's what comes after the end of that artificial high that most people go through, most businesses in particular, who want to fool themselves into believing that the good times will never end. Well, the good times are ending, and we've got the data that shows it. Quite a lot of, of, of interesting economic accounts and developments We'll stick with manufacturing today for the most part, though we'll talk about China's non-manufacturing in a moment, because again, the goods economy was, was the, the, the best representation of this artificial high in 2021 and 2022. The idea that this represented a red hot economy that needed to be cooled down because it wasn't gonna cool down on its own. But as we've seen, especially in producer prices, but also in consumer prices all over the world, everything began to change in that, that window between March of 2022 and June. By the time we get to June, we see price patterns all over the world start to shift. We head toward disinflation, and as I keep saying, deflation in producer prices. It started last year, almost right after the yellow CEO Hawkins was talking about how, how optimistic he had been for the rest of that year. The timing was just not his specialty there. Today we get the Texas survey, Texas manufacturing survey results. The headline PMI was minus 20. That's up a little bit from minus 23.2. But in reality, there is no difference between minus 23.2 and minus 20. We're just scraping along the bottom here. These are really bad numbers. New orders fell to minus 18.1 from minus 16.6, which is the worst since November. It's really the second worst this entire cycle. So new orders, new sales continue to contract at a recessionary rate. So here we are in July. We're in the second half. There doesn't appear to be a rebound, not in Texas anyway. The production index, which is an important that one fell to minus 4.8 from minus 4.2. And minus 4.8 doesn't sound like it's awful, but that's a new cycle low. And what it tells us is that companies are working, producers, manufacturers, they're working through their sales. And without enough new sales coming in, they're also working through their unfilled orders or backlogs and finding that they have less and less of those to go through, leading them to the point where they're going to have to make major decisions, not just like yellow, but in terms of we don't just we just don't have the work for anyone to do. In fact, the unfilled order index in Texas fell to minus 13.8 from minus 8.5. So as far as Texas is concerned, no second half rebound. At best, the same scraping along the bottom, according to new orders and several other components, more and worse yet to come. And the comments are usually mixed. But a couple of these are interesting. Uh, for machinery and manufacturing, one commenter made the point of the summer doldrums are real. At least they are this month. Order interest has declined significantly and order entry has slowed to a crawl. We're bidding smaller jobs now than we have in 24 months. Raw material prices have eased, but so have selling prices to the point of creating margin erosion, which adds another element 
to this saga. This is the second half rebound falling apart because not only do we have new orders and new sales contracting, we're working through our backlogs, and now we have prices falling too fast, falling too fast, margin erosion, disinflation, but deflation in producer prices that can cause even worse problems, which just makes that moment of layoffs, that moment of decision into the most drastic adjustments to the businesses, it moves it up that much closer. It was the same thing over in Kansas City, the district right above Dallas. The Kansas City Fed last week on Friday said its PMI improved like Dallas to minus 11 from minus 12. So again, really no change there. New orders were down significantly, minus 20. Again, another bad one from minus 12. Really, orders just continued to contract. Prices, uh, this is an important one, uh, similar to what we just heard from Texas. The prices index fell to minus seven from plus three in, um, in June. So minus seven in July, that's the first negative for Kansas City's Fed manufacturing index since May of 2020. So again, disinflation becoming deflation because of lack of demand, which yellow can tell you everything. But it's not just one regional Fed survey or another. When we look at the average of the five surveys that the Federal Reserve Bank of New York, Philadelphia, Richmond, Kansas City, and Texas, we put the five of them together. What you see is, again, scraping along the bottom at best. New orders in particular continue to decline. Backlogs are diminishing. Prices are coming down, maybe growing a little bit, but growing at the lowest rates that we've seen in the cycle. Other regions are saying prices are already falling. So for the Federal Reserve and those who are thinking for the second half rebound, the soft landing, the second half rebound is supposed to lead to, we're going beyond that. We're going beyond just strictly disinflation into a gentle soft landing. We're going from disinflation into deflation and recession, especially as the second half rebound, especially as more and more companies realize there isn't going to be a second half rebound. As I mentioned, this is not just strictly a U.S. problem. This is a global problem, which means, especially at the top of our list, the Chinese. Because who makes a lot of the goods that are no longer flowing through yellow's trucks? The Chinese do. Talked about a global trade recession, which is the most advanced aspect of the current global deflationary recession. And the Chinese make absolutely no doubt, leave us no doubt on that, uh, that account. Their manufacturing PMI, 49.3, that's up like all of these fractionally in July from June. June was 49, so another number below 50. Um, I believe that's the fourth or fifth straight there. And you know, that multi-decade high or more than a decade high that we saw back in February, that's a long time ago, complete ancient history at this point. The new orders number in China moved up to 49.5 from 48.6, not really a change there. New export orders was basically unchanged at 46.3. Again, the global trade recession. More weakness coming from outside than there is coming inside, at least as far as manufacturers are concerned. The employment number in China, manufacturing, 48.1 from 48.2. And the reason the Chinese apparently are cutting back on workers, and that may be just cutting back on new hiring, because production is still slightly positive, 50.2 compared to 50.3. But with, lower, with new orders being down, like manufacturers in Texas and the, middle, the, the prairie states in the United States, they're working through their backlogs. Production... The only production, the only thing keeping production up at these levels 
it's past sales. There's fewer new sales coming in. That's not a good sign. Non-manufacturing in China, which is a reflection of, first of all, this weakness from the external economy, because a lot of Chinese economic activity is still derived from its export-oriented economy. So global trade recession is going to be a huge hindrance on the Chinese internal economy, which is already suffering from real estate woes, which we've talked about a number of times before. In many ways, reopening was supposed to be, let's get this external demand into China so that we can help offset the property sector real estate problems that we've been having. But with only a deepening global trade recession that just won't quit, the Chinese are in worse and worse shape. Remember back in March when China's non-manufacturing PMI hit its more than decade high, which was actually close to 60 at that point. It actually looked for a month anyway, as if China's reopening might be working. It's been completely undone and then some. The non-manufacturing PMI for July was 51.5. 51.5, that's a bad number at any time, but especially at this, this moment in time when China needs a steady internal non-manufacturing services economy to really get itself going in the face of the global trade recession. That's down from 53.2 in June. New orders sank to 48.1, getting worse, not better. That's down from 49.5. New export, new export orders, 47.7 from 49. So accelerating to the downside. Global trade, global recession. Employment number, 46.8 for the second time in a row in China. So rather than the global trade, uh, global environment helping China uh, navigate its real estate woes, the global trade recession is compounding them. And so as the second half rebound and the perceptions for a second half rebound continue to fade, China's going to make less goods, less goods need to be shipped. We're left with more companies that look somewhat like yellow. They're not all going to go bankrupt, but we don't need them to, to create the deflationary recession. It continues to develop in that direction, especially as we continue to see the second half rebound as nothing more than hopes and dreams, as nothing more than shattered hopes and dreams of what was supposed to have been a permanent plateau of prosperity. If you want to see more about the global trade recession and what it's doing to the global economy, check out the video you see at the link below. As always, huge thank you to Eurodollar University members and our subscribers. And until next time, everyone, take care.